Accutron Watches present. From New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement. Accutron, it's not a timepiece, it's a conversation piece. For sure, works that are replaceable will be replaced. The same way with the, with the horse carriages, the person that wants to continue drive with the horse carriages will be replaced by the person driving the car. The person you heard at the top of the show is today's guest, Marco Rossi. He's the principal data scientist at Microsoft Research. And don't be frightened, but he's here to talk about the world of artificial intelligence. First up, the always artificial and sometimes intelligent Bill McCuddy, <laughs> along with writer Scott Alexander and editor David Graver, here to talk about the Accutron Show's contribution to artificial intelligence. We try and do it every time on this podcast. We sure do. We try to bring our own intelligence. <laughs> we do, too. each of us. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all-new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020. So there's a lot. To dive into when we talk about Bill, artificial prove intelligence. prove me right now that you are not an artificial intelligent chatbot. <laughs> so there's a lot to dive into. When, <laughs> I uh, have a motion. I'm sure Bill has a motion too. I've never seen it. But I'm not a number. Real I'm a free man. <laughs> Why do you need evidence? Yeah, this is an ongoing conversation and it's become uh, very heated recently with uh, the New York Times actually sat down and had an article written for them by the yeah. chat bot thing. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you've played with it. I mean, I they, played with Bing. I played with uh, I'm Bing's sorry? AI. <laughs> I utilize Bing's AI chat bot. You talked to Sydney. Oh, goodness. I learned a lot of things and I was actually really surprised and kind of in awe of what I learned. I felt some form of sentience well, I like I connected researching with this thing is unbelievably efficient when you ask it for information it doesn't direct you to 20 different websites which you have to come through yourself it just comes back with like answers which is answers. That's shocking it also comes back with term papers for students and huh. so there are a lot of ethical questions that we have to unwrap here with our guests today because uh, it's evolving so quickly and we don't really know if there are who's going to regulate it what what uh, constraints we're going to put on it, and whether it really is, at the end of the day, a good thing, especially for artists, painters, musicians. You know, um, I've seen AI passing tests and writing mm. exams that have gotten good grades, but I've also read papers by AI that lack the texture of humanity, that lack a true voice, like a grounded voice. I've also or read papers by humans that lack <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not it's kidding. Like, 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 it's that third, you know, Webster's Dictionary defines AI oh, as, you know, like, like the, yeah, the passive yeah. voice, all this other stuff. These hallmarks, when we read a ChatGPT generated essay, and, and it reads fake to us. It also reads like a bad, bland essay by someone who doesn't care. And I wonder if caring is sort of at the bottom. Of, of course, this. of course, yeah, agree. Because it's an emotion, agreed. and the thing AI doesn't have is a human yet. emotion. Yet. We're going to learn whether or not 
uh, artificial intelligence is smart enough to learn how to love, how to hate, how to uh, I, teach I mean, me to love. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a really bad uh, Steven Spielberg movie called AI. I loved it, oh, but there Kubrick was Kubrick developed it. Had good parts. There was also a movie. It. There was also a movie called War Games. It was almost a where movie. the machines no, started to or thought about fighting each other. And I wonder if our guest has seen that. That's where the I think that's where the conversation is right now. People are just worried that machines will take over like every movie that has said big brother is going to is looking at us and everything's going to be uh thought for us and that's the it's just going to bop you on the head and take your job while it's in the hands of people (laughs) i think our fear should be alleviated and we should trust everyone that's developing ai to do what's right and I, i do believe in that and i think it's what's happening trust everyone (laughs) <laughs> That's what capitalism teaches us, I think. <laughs> I do. I think we're safe. I think we're fine. My name is Hal. <laughs> and this is the Accutron Show. We'll be right back with our guest. Thanks, Phil. Marco Rossi joins us right after this. Don't go away. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, AccutronWatch.com, and discover our Accutron DNA collection. Reimagined for a new generation, the Accutron DNA combines breakthrough technology, precise engineering, and modern aesthetics to achieve a new level of technical excellence. The Accutron DNA, the new face of time for those who blaze new trails. Marco, welcome to the Accutron Show. I guess the thing we were talking about before you got here is everybody is worried about AI. Tell us what we should be worried about and what we shouldn't worry about. So uh, thank you so much for having me here, first of all. So to me, like I'm an optimism, I'm an optimist and a pragmatic person. So I think that fear right now is not the right way to um, develop AI. So I see AI to be something that humans are creating and I see it as a tool. It's a very, very, uh, like the, the repercussion that it can have on society, it's dramatic, even more like than the atomic bomb, theoretically. So we need to be careful, we need to be responsible, but I don't think a fear will take us there because fear is an emotion and we need to be a little bit more sophisticated than that. So it's not AI. like war games. We were talking about that before. Remember the movie 1983 War Games where the, the machines decide to fight each other and, and they learn what they can do and then the kid just goes, let them play each other. <laughs> yeah, they, so, I mean, if... if, well, if no, we, the, the computer eventually realizes in that. That there's no upside, right? The only there's way no to win the game, game of nuclear war is not to play. Right. Which is brings us back to the nuclear bomb, which nuclear bombs... We seem so far, at least, to have realized that we shouldn't use them. We're not taking the same approach with AI. We're just going right ahead and using it. Well, I, I don't think that in the sense of like there's always a human that decides this AI is going to be the put in this website. Even ChatGPT, ChatGPT is like there is a human, a OpenAI, that, and Microsoft together, they put it a website. They open, they, they open the gate of this. They can close it whenever they want. Like, if they turn well, off the website. We hope. Yeah. No, 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 it's the website. <laughs> no, the but, website uh, is the but, but what if the, the AI interface. is controlling the website? But then it's it's about, like, we humans that are creating, we have the responsibility you, to decide that AI doesn't have that kind of key. Can, right. But don't aren't are you not worried at all that no human is one day going to say, it's just much easier if we give the AI all the keys? So that is going to be atrophying, uh, atroph- like, Basically, like with Google Maps, for example, we stop learning how to navigate street. 
you don't remember street anymore. Taxi driver need to learn that. So it's the same here. If we give our competencies to AI, we will lose those competencies. When you're not doing something, if you don't do it, you lose it. So do we want to lose those things? Maybe it's good because then we can free our time for something else. You brought up ChatGPT. I'm also very familiar with work that is being produced in Midjourney, which is a generative AI art uh, service. Who is who owns the copyright or the creative license behind that? Is it the software or is it the person that's fueling the software? Right. So the way I would see this is like AI is a tool for me. Just yesterday I was walking through New York and there was an art gallery. A, a person like just it was like painting something. I entered just because I was curious and he was an artist and he's using AI, both to produce music and to produce painting. So he told me, I put the constitution of the United States through um, Dali, which is this AI, and he produced some sketches. And from the sketches, he produced his art, right? So to me, AI is a tool. Maybe the artist is paying either a subscription or something to use this tool. And then whatever is creating is his. So the responsibilities of the artist that is using this tool like the same responsibilities like when you have a type writer, if you type in a typewriter, who owns the piece of paper with that is the artist. Yeah, but Scott's right. I mean, at some point, if the machines decide they can run everything and we don't monitor it, maybe, you know, we love to sit on couches and, and <laughs> yeah, so flip then, around and let everything else happen yeah, in front of forget us. Forget Dolly. So, what about Wally? What, yeah, what, like, the Wally future is... Uh, <laughs> if we're just sitting there the and the machines one. are doing more and more and more, it feels like a slippery solid state slope. So I, I like to be precise with words because that's how we build these things. So the keyword there is decide. If the machine decides, the machine cannot decide as of now. Mm. So the machine are taking decisions, but we human decide what is their playground as of now. Now the machine can decide to explore new things. They can explore new actions, but there is as of now, I don't know if it's going to change in the future, because as soon as you put a robot and you're saying go around in the world, <laughs> then this can take an airplane, these things can take whatever we want, but there will be a human allowing, either with a robot that has wheels or uh, like this dog, but like Boston Dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. They can explore the world, but there's always a scientist or a group of scientists. It's not like one person only. There is a startup that decided that this thing can move. Right. right, but then it's moving autonomously, and presumably there's a kill switch where you can always shut it down, except what it, what it happens when the first person builds a robot dog with no kill switch. It's, it's the responsibility of the person. I think that society as I just a whole know that, like, needs to have some checks and balances here, and we'll need to have like some balances where it's not the responsibility only of the company that is producing this. There is some government, yeah. like the government need to give some guidelines. Uh -oh, if, the government. It, but, yeah. it, but it, well, it feel, that's the thing, <laughs> though. It, it feels like a problem that can only be solved or traditionally been solved by governments, but we have a collective action problem where any individual, some individual who's very smart and good at programming could do it themselves with no oversight and just let's assume that person's crazy so, and, and awful, right? The way that I like to think about this, I, I love history because in history, you can sort of see similar things have already been solved. It's like with the car and the, how the car industry is like uh, from like insurance and, and like a, a driving license, mm -hmm. right? So if you get a car 
and you get a, a, a driver that is crazy, he can kill a lot of people. Can cause like an attack on like God forbid on a lot of people. So who is the is like the person that is crazy is the responsibility? Who built the car? The government that created the road for him to go or for her to go. So I think that there is for sure a very big conversation that need to be having. And I'd love to be here because I, I don't know the answer of these things, but I'm looking, I've spent like the last three years thinking about these questions mm. because I'm building these things. I started like six years ago in Microsoft and also before. I think this is not a problem that like one person knows the answer. We need to go create the solution and not just like the people that are creating AI. This is societal, like there is this misconception that has been put out that we need to understand how AI works precisely in order to use it. Mm. This is, to me, this is my opinion, this is not true. We are, work, we are using cars without knowing how cars work. <laughs> you don't know how the engine works. Yeah. Can you explain how the or engine works? Or where I'm driving necessarily <laughs> on any what given What you day. have right. is a very good interface where you feel the trust that if you turn the wheel on the left, the wheel goes on the left. Mm. There are problems with cars, even in Formula One, Ayrton Senna unfortunately died because it didn't work. So we have rare cases where cars do not follow. And there are even intelligent cases. If you think about ABS, which is the, 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 the system that intelligently override, pumps the brakes, override right, right. what the human is doing right. to save <laughs> right. the human. <laughs> And that's intelligence, yeah, yeah. right? This is AI is already there if you want to think about AI. So yeah, the, the point of advanced tools is that they um, that advanced. they do you you do not need to understand them for them to help you. I don't need to know how my dishwasher works for my dishwasher to do the dishes. Um, but we've been talking a lot about the the negative aspects of this or the potential downsides. It seems to me like that is actually this very small portion of what. Mm -hmm these things are going to do that there's a lot of actually super positive things that are going to happen that uh, most of which we can't even see yet. You spend a lot of time thinking about this. What do you think about it in terms of like the best and coolest stuff that's going to happen to us because of this? So the real trend that I see right now is that up until ChatGPT, we basically had Google and Bing that indexed the old websites. And we were like few keywords away from every knowledge we wanted. If you were picking the right keywords on Google, you had on the top 10 the exact newspaper or the exact document that you wanted. With ChatGPT, the, the new step is that basically now in a few seconds, ChatGPT can create a website personalized to your discussion with it. And so it's like the whole website is not created by human anymore. It's created by a machine piecing together in some fantastic way that like someone created the knowledge that has been trained with. So I think it, that's, that's the key. Prior to this show, we discussed trying to alleviate fears around AI. And what you've just described sort of does stir fear in me as a writer and <laughs> as a writer who has friends that are web developers and a writer whose best friend is an artist. Sh should people with creative skills and people who have been working in these markets be afraid that their jobs will be replaced? Yeah, so that's a perfect question. And I I think if there's one goal that I want to achieve here is to not to say that fear is uh, it's bad because fear is a human emotion. And if we fear fear, it means that something that we need to really pay attention to and we need to talk all together. Like when you fear, when you're scared about something, it means you don't understand your environment. 
So you need to really pay attention for all the signals. So fear is, is good as a focusing mechanism, but not as a avoidance mechanism. So going back to your question, for sure works that are replaceable will be replaced. The same way mm. with, the, with the horse carriages, the person that wants to continue drive with the horse carriages will be replaced by the person driving a car. It's just, it's not reaching the same market. If you want to reach a city far away, with the horse carriages, it's going to take three days. With the car, it's like half an hour going back, and then you're losing your kids because you need to live for three days away from your family. So the key thing here is what does it mean to be replaceable? And I believe that humans are so unique. Every one of us has like all our life. We are all fingerprints, right? If you focus on empathy, on human connection, these podcasts cannot be replaced. We're saying things. We that, tell them that every week, and they don't listen. That's why they're sure there's a machine that can do this. I don't know whether I agree. Stop it! All right, it's because uh, we're improvising here. We never spoke about these things before. The the AI will need to see this podcast at least two hundred, three hundred times to wow. even have an inkling of what to say. Yeah, but this is the beginning. So if we fast right. forward 10 years. It doesn't matter. Right? This is statistics. You, in order for statistics to understand, to have a low confidence interval, hmm. meaning there are a lot of options, right? I know that I can answer the question that I just got in an intelligent way because I know what the question means, the, the meaning behind the question. I know my experience and then I'm giving my opinion, right? In order to formulate all of this, I need to make sure that I'm not blabbing out random noise. Like Bill. So the <laughs> That's machine, my job. <laughs> if, the, if the question is not in the training set that has been used to, to generate ChatGPT, that's it. That, the the, the ChatGPT will never answer the question in that mm. creative way. Mm -hmm. If you haven't already deduced this, Marco is not from originally this area. He's Italian <laughs> and uh, he actually began before AI, uh, kicking a soccer ball around, mm -hmm. what that connection means to him, how he got interested in AI in the first place, and where it's all going in a good way is something we're gonna talk about as soon as we come back on the Accutron Show. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our legacy collection reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s. The Legacy Collection combines timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future. Back with Marco Rossi, he is an expert in creating AI solutions and real-world and decision-making systems. That's a mouthful. Is all of that on the business card when you pull it out? Does I don't it say have all a of business that? card. No, you <laughs> I don't. don't need it. In what? fact, we were saying before the break, you sort of walk us through how you got into AI. Yeah. Because you have a soccer ball next to you right now that right. you take with you on the streets You walked of it here. Yes. You walked no, I didn't ball. walk it here. I walked it here from Virginia. I, I live in, I work 100% remotely for Microsoft in Virginia oh. because after COVID I asked that and it's been giving me the autonomy to really experiment with how to work in a new way. 
But uh, but you played professional soccer, soccer. I played as the captain of a feeder team, uh, five against five, um, in Mascherata, where I was doing my own school, my my school, the high school. And basically, then after that, uh, I played in the team, the 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 main team, uh, some games, and then I had to stop to go to Milan. I decided to do my university there. Uh, I graduated in Milan doing um, telecommunication engineering. Uh, with a uh, major in signal processing. Your title at Microsoft is Principal Data Scientist. Scientist. That's a term that a lot of people don't know how to decode. What does it mean to be a Principal Data Scientist and what does your day-to-day look like? Fantastic. Okay, so let me answer that with like giving first the spectrum of the main different uh, top like um, titles. So we have like software engineers, data scientists, PM, and researchers. So software engineers, they're writing code. Data scientists, they're the ones that are curating the data that are used to feed to the AI, but also they're checking the data that is coming out of the AI, and they're doing analysis to understand if there is the statistical validity of an experiment. So you do an experiment, you're doing an experiment with like 10 trials, even we can connect these to like medical experiments. When there is a vaccine, now we call it like vaccine, like everyone knows that, right? And I'm not going to enter that, but like, how do you understand when you have multiple versions of the vaccine, because maybe one is 10 grams of dose, one is eight grams of dose, and one is six grams of dose, when they're like creating the vaccine, how do you know which one to give to the public? You need to do a small trial. So what you're doing is you take some sample of people, first you're trying probably in animals, once the trial is like FDA approved, now you go to humans and you're saying, let's take a random sample of this, uh, the population and we try randomly the 10, the eight and the six and we see what happened. This is the scientific method. You do an experiment and then you see how many side effects the 10 grams cause it, the eight and the six, how many people that, got, that were sick, that, that didn't get sick and so on. And then you say, okay, 10 was too high of a dose. Even if everyone was cured, the side effects are too high. We cannot afford that. So we go with the eight. So this is the same. The data scientists will do this. They will do an experiment of saying, I'm feeding this AI these right. things. Right. If the AI is always doing it right, but it's really costly because sometimes the mistake is terrible, I cannot go with that. So it feels like these AI tools are actually maybe... Are we mistaking the word, calling it artificial intelligence, when it really is very granular calculation and iterative processes that have been made very accessible and they feel like they're intelligent because we haven't had uh, mechanisms that are this sophisticated, but they're, they're not truly intelligences. Well, no, no. I mean, it's intelligent because they, they're able to learn. So the definition okay. of intelligence, according to Steven Pinker in his book, 1997, mm-hmm. it's called How the Minds Work. So intelligence is the ability to strategize, to solve a problem, to arrive to a task. And the mm. metaphor that is given is fantastic. So you have a, uh, a piece of metal, like a clip, and you have a magnet. The clip is going in a straight line to the magnet. There's no way that the clip is like going in a different way than a straight line. If you put a piece of paper in front of the magnet, the clip will hold to the piece of paper. The clip is not intelligent. If you take Romeo and Juliet, even if all the families are strategizing to keep them apart, they will strategize to find a way to be together. 
they're able to basically it's as if the clip is able to go around the paper mm-hmm. because the clip goal is to go to the magnet. So the clip goes around the paper and touch the magnet. That's intelligence, right? We'd like AI to finish a little better than Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We're, we're still talking about Romeo and Juliet. Maybe that was the best thing. I mean, in the sense of like, I don't know. Well. But like, we don't like, like, transcended love, maybe... It's their decision. Like the key thing is like Roman and Julie. You saying love's decided. a bad idea? It depends. It depends. <laughs> well, like if they have kids, maybe I think it's better that they were alive. Can AI love? I think emotions and AI is a, like a very different question. So, going back to Steven Pinker, because everything that we did, even I worked for three years in a startup without knowing, I was putting together his ideas in his book. So, what he would say is like. AI, the meaning of AI is the meaning that we users will give to it. So if you love, take like Castaway with the ball Wilson. <laughs> That's it. It always comes back to the soccer ball for you. <laughs> That's a wall, volleyball. <laughs> That's a volleyball That's ball. A volleyball, but but I mean, the key, what the kind of ball was that? the one on the mountain? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> rolling Mine. Yeah. Mine. So the key is like if uh, in Castaway, he was feeling less alone because of the ball. That was some top, uh, like giving some tra- human trait. Obviously, it's all about the meaning. Like, so that that gets you to a very solipsistic place where you say it. You know, we'll we'll make up in the absence of, and this has happened many times. People seem to be mistaking what they're seeing in these in ChatGPT or in in Bing's yeah, uh, AI sure. chatbot. They they want to read. Emotions, they want to read a presence of an entity and a, and a right. being there right. in the same way that he wanted to read a presence in Wilson. Yeah, and, that's a good point. You're at Microsoft, and Microsoft is clearly leading in this space. Where do you look for inspiration, or who else do you think is playing well in this space? I think, I mean, there, there's so many good researchers, like, I mean, Google for sure with the brain, uh, with the mind, with uh, Meta, they have like huge, like uh, John Lecon. I think. We are not, I hope that no one alone or like no company alone will solve the AI uh, because we need the expertise of everyone. And also, I think that the companies, they also have their own interest, right? Like, I mean, every company that is like in the stock market, they have the stock, the, the stakeholders. I think this needs to be a societal thing the same way we solve with the cars. With cars, we have insurance, we have regulation, we have driving license. We need to have this kind of conversation to understand where we want to take this, how to shape these things. And you're not worried that my daughter is using it to write uh, an essay for her college paper? Well, I think you as a a father, you need to decide if your value system, if it's better for her to save a lot of time because she Mm. will write the essay in, in one second, right? instead of writing in a weekend. So if she's saying, if you think that the skill of writing an, es- an essay by scratch without using AI is valuable because she wants to be a writer and she needs to really go through the motion 10,000 hours mm-hmm. to become an expert in writing something, then you will say, don't use this shortcut because otherwise you will not become an expert. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. the key, right? What kind of skill you want your daughter to have? But like if your daughter is a researcher, that doesn't, like, okay, let's go back to the example that I did of the, um, the artist that I met yesterday. He told me, he created this song, 
and he, he played on Spotify a song that he just created. He said, like, I need 10, 10 minutes to write this song. And I don't have the skills. I mean, he doesn't have, like, the, the musical skills to write the song from scratch. So this is the power of AI. So he shouldn't be doing it. Well, why? <laughs> because the song was beautiful, and it was, like, making me the experience of performing the art much better. So the key is AI is giving the superpower like the cars. You have a superpower of going from city A to city B in much less time. Right. We shouldn't be doing it. We should just regulate it in, in, in a way that it's making sense, like that we are not like killing people. It seems harder to regulate, though, than cars. Like with cars, we have a police force. It's physicalized. It's out on the street. You can see it. With AI, it's something that is much more uh, hideable. And I guess I I worry that almost every technology, you know, you can take a brick and build a house. You can take a brick and cave in someone's skull. Nuclear, you know, material can be used for a power plant or a bomb. So it feels like the same sort of potential is here. It's incredibly powerful. Right. Going to be used for good, without question, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also potentially like make some bad person be able to be more powerfully bad. The Joker. Right. <laughs> so let's go back hundred years ago mm-hmm. when cars were not a thing. Do you think people were scared about cars? Yeah. Listen, I get the well, car. It took, and I get took, the car it took analogy, forty but... years, though. It took forty years for yeah. the car to be digested by exactly. society and, this and, and we didn't have same. drunk driving laws and we didn't have all yeah. seatbelt laws and we didn't have all kinds yeah. of different things. It took a long time. So, but in that time, a lot of people died. So a lot of people wrapped their cars around a, the their Model thing, T's around a tree. So they, you, you were saying before about like, are these things intelligent? So these things are intelligent to my, uh, in my book, they're intelligent because they're able to predict and to learn from experience. Mm-hmm. So we have an history we know what happened, exactly what you said with the cars. Hopefully now we learn something from that and we'll do it a little bit better. Mm. Not like in the best way because nothing is perfect. This is the key that we can improve things. So we can learn the, east, like this, the, the, the things that we got from history and apply it now with AI. I think the first thing, there is this fantastic thing with like, uh, in psychology with like Abraham Maslow with the pyramid of uh, hierarchical needs. So he never intended to have a pyramid. He just like stuck up and it was like integral things. There is uh, the, this fantastic book by um, Dr. Kaufman. It's called Transcend. He's giving this hierarchy that is a little bit more integral. He studied all the things that Maslow, Maslow did. He's a psychologist. So the first thing is security, the first level. And he's giving the metaphor of the boat. So. Security, communication, connections, and self-esteem. This is the key. When there is a hole here, the boat will go down. Then there is the sail. We have exploration, love, and purpose. Hmm. Okay? So when all of these things are working together as a team, integral, you have a safe keel and you have no hole in the sail, you can grow. So you can go around and you can grow. Right now, I believe... With the high, that's why I want to focus on like fear is not the right thing because fear it means that we are a level of security. We feel that we are not safe with this thing, and we need to just like have a conversation and also understand that we human we have qualities that AI will never have: empathy, human connection. By definition, you cannot have a human connection unless you're applying the meaning that like <laughs> it's a ball, but like the ball doesn't respond to you. Are you sure the AI will never have those feelings? 
we will need to decode, we will need to understand this feeling in a way that like evolution took a long, long time to get there. Mm -hmm. Like we are not like, I have, I'm 40 years old. My brain is not 40 years old. It's like the level of like millions of years of evolution, mm -hmm. right? But amoeba don't have feelings or empathy uh, or do they maybe they I do mean, they they get scared they they were they're able right. to go away from fear things. right they have approach and even retreat. plants plants can direct to the sunlight right that's maybe a feeling like in and that sense. and can from, communicate from with those another. primitive building blocks though we eventually came up to humans so yeah. from these building blocks we have today of ai sure. which might seem primitive in some way i know they're very advanced but they're primitive compared to human emotions yeah. um is it possible that we will ladder there eventually to me, the way I'm answering this in my side, and I, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, humans are creating AI, but AI will never create humans. So I don't know who is the creator. No, they'll create something else. They'll create. <laughs> but the key Oompa is that They tried it in a bad Spielberg movie. <laughs> it's uh, for sure, like with the atomic bomb, if, uh, if you're getting it in the hands of someone or even U.S. and Russia, like in the sense of like it can wipe out everyone. For sure, there is that thing. That but you don't feel like like we might look the way chimpanzees look to us. We might look like to AI, where AI goes, okay, it was a nice. Uh, these guys were good. They were interesting, but uh, we're <laughs> we better. don't need them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it can be. I don't know, but like it will take a lot <laughs> That's of reassuring. time. <laughs> it will take a lot of time to get there. And right now, I think the real question here is: let's not approach this with fear, or at least. Let's yeah. try to talk about the fears. Let's try to talk of like why we're, what we're fearful, like what is the fear of? Yeah. Because we need to understand emotions are a fantastic decision-making tool. When you fear something, you're, you're running away and you're saving your life. So the key thing here is- But if I, you're afraid all the time- Then you're not then, understanding. Right. Right? So you, you, you need, these things, these tools are created by humans. So we need to have humans like me that are creating it and also the users, meaning, banks that are using this, stock exchange, insurance, even creators like artists, music, the producer of music. Like these are, and we have now the tools because we created the tools of like this global networking with social media and all, everything. I don't think social media is the right audience, but like it's an audience to disseminate information. And then we need to talk with our family, with our children, with, with neighbors, to understand really in society how this, the fabric of society is changed by this. This was not a bot. It was Marco Rossi. He joined us today on the Accutron <laughs> Show to talk about everything intelligent, artificial, and otherwise. And it has been a fascinating ongoing discussion that I honestly, and I never say this to many guests, would love to have you back because it's growing so quickly and it's so generational that uh, I know I won't understand it as quickly and as easily as you will. Marco, thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you thanks so much. Marco. This was amazing. Thank you. And I'd love to come back. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Accutron Show. To listen to all of our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch and subscribe to our podcast. From New York City, until next time, Accutron Time.